Hello, this is the Red Box Podcast. I'm Matt Chorley. Now, before I tell you what's coming up on today's podcast, next week we've got Allegra Stratton coming on the pod to talk about COP26. She's the Prime Minister's COP26 spokeswoman. She's been on before when she talked about her own troubles with uh, having a diesel car and so on. Uh, but this time around, she wants to answer your questions. So what questions have you got about climate change? What uh, might happen at COP? What is COP even? What are the issues about coal, cars, cash, uh, planting more trees? Um, which of the countries are the most reluctant to sign up to uh, climate change? targets what would it mean for you and your own lives whatever your questions whatever you've ever wanted to know about the push to net zero and going green and cop 26 uh Allegra Stratton will answer them for you uh, next week but uh, you can send your questions in just email me matt.chorley at times.radio and we'll put your questions to Allegra next week that's matt.chorley at times.radio no question is too silly, no question is too complicated. Just get in touch, matt.chorley at times.radio. Right, coming up on today's episode, it's Wednesday, so it must be PMQs unpacked with actual PMQs this week after all the fun of Cheltenham last week. Patrick Maguire joins me to pause the action between Boris Johnson and Keir Starmer. But first, we kick off with our columnist panel as ever. It's Wednesday, so it must be Crampon. It's Robert Crampton and Alice Thompson. Let's talk about, I was really intrigued by a column by Patrick Maguire in The Times today. He's written the Thunderer about the by-election, which is going to happen in Southend uh, because of uh, the death of Sir David Amos. And all the main parties, uh, Labour, the Greens, Reform UK and the Lib Dems have all said they won't stand in the Southend West by-election in the same way that they didn't stand against Labour, the Conservatives didn't stand against Labour in Batley and Spen after the murder of Joe Cox. And Patrick mounts the argument that this is the wrong thing to do and that actually part of politics continuing as normal is the uh, contesting of elections as of when they arise and I, I sort of think I agree with him but I'm, I'm open to persuade mm. what do you think Robert? Oh, he persuaded me actually uh, I wouldn't have agreed with him before and then 400 words later I did agree with him uh, I think we all sort of fairly unre- unre- uh, without reflection uh, think oh yeah that's the right thing to do you know all stand together terrorists or murderers shouldn't decide who sits in parliament but then i thought what are they actually afraid of by having an election they're afraid of it being unpleasant and mudslinging and nasty so i think that the 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 halfway house should be to have the by-election and for everyone just to have a proper sober debate and not be unpleasant in the wake of the why the the reason that they're having the by-election uh it seemed to me it's sort of looks like a position of strength, but I think they're actually doing it out of fear. That's what do you what, think, And, Alice, and therefore, I think Patrick was right. I think if you look at Kim Ledbetter, she did stand in Batley and Spence, and she is the sister of Joe Cox. She stood afterwards, after they had the uncontested election, and I thought it was much better. She only won, mm. I think, by about 300, and you'll remember, I think it was something like 323. It was a tiny majority. It was very close. But it I went up there, gave yeah. her far more respectability and... Um, gravitas, really, in a way, I think that she'd actually won properly. And I thought it was good. It wasn't a great contest, actually. I think it was too nasty and it was vicious and it shouldn't have been. But I think that uh, David Amos would have liked it to have been a proper election. You want politics to carry on. The most important thing is to say to people that actually there is nothing you can do that won't stop our political 
um, our sort of political entity and our nature and how we operate from carrying on. Yeah. And I think that's what David Amos would have said. So I think that our Thunder is actually right. I think we should yeah. have a properly contested election. But I hope, as Robert does, that, that people behave well and not in the same way as they did with Kim Ledbetter when they literally, yeah. you know, they just threw everything at her. I think that's the best actually, way to, to honour him would be, there's this, obviously this tremendously civilised and civil man, would be to have a civilised and civil election, wouldn't it? And actually, the point that, that Patrick makes in The Thunderer is that when, uh, following the death of Joe Cox, it was Tracy Brabin who stood immediately afterwards. Yeah. All the other party, all the other main parties stood aside, which basically meant she was running against, as Patrick calls them, opportunists and extremists. Mm. You know, she who was heckled, heckled by the far right. Yeah. Um, and actually, if you, so if you had a contest in which the Conservatives, the Labour Party, the Lib Dems, the Greens, the Reform UK, whatever... It all took part and all behaved civilly to one, towards one another. That would be a, the, the the fringe the, the the you know fringe nutters who who get drawn to these things become a sideshow. They're not the main they're not the main event. And I, I was struck as well because this, this is a sort of relatively new phenomenon. The, the point that Patrick made was that back in 1990, Ian Gow uh, was assassinated yeah. by the I, by the provisional IRA. And there was a, this whole debate happened, and the Lib Dems under Paddy Ashdown came very close to not standing, and mm. then did stand and won the, and won the day. Yeah. And uh, and actually, not long afterwards, uh, Margaret Thatcher was forced out of office. But that's that's politics. That's how we should do politics in this country. Yeah, and there's also a democratic issue in that there are people who don't want to vote Conservative in South and West, uh, and they should have the opportunity to do, you know, to do so, as in not vote Conservative. Yes, because yeah. and not not. Not uh, voting Conservative now is not to disrespect no. David Amos. No, not at all. Oh, mm-hmm. I mean, it's better than not to vote either. I think it would be sad if they didn't well, vote. If you had too many people just abstaining, that would also not be very I think that will so happen. I think actually... Obviously, there'll be people who don't want to vote Tory under any circumstances, so they won't vote, will they? Yeah, if you've got no. a choice of Tory or fringe, you know, monster-waving uni- yeah. loony party and then, you know, extremist... Uh, candidates, then yeah, then that's then that's really not not democracy uh, happening. But as we've we've settled on um, uh, cosy consensus, <laughs> we always do. We all agree with. But I'd recommend if if you're if you're listening to this and thinking oh, that's not right, I I can't agree with that. Go online and read uh, Patrick's column because it's one of those things which I and I think there's a lively debate going on uh, mm. in the comments underneath which. He's joined in with uh, uh, as well. Um, let's move on um, uh, to uh, this is a story which has all been bubbling around for a while. My stepdaughter was sort, sort of aware of this and this talk of um, students talking about boycotting uh, nightclubs uh, this week and over the next week or so in protest at what's been described as a, as a spate of uh, um, drinks being spiked. And even, as the Times reports today, um, spiking by injections mm. uh, at nightclubs. Yeah. A man's been arrested as uh, part of this. One 90-year-old woman said to have felt a pinch on a, the back of her arm. There's unconfirmed reports on social media of uh, people being spiked on nights out in Dundee, Edinburgh and Stirling. Some women talk about wearing denim jackets when they go out at night because it's harder to, to, to be in jail. I mean, this is a really shocking uh, story. And it's one of those that I suppose... At this stage, it feels like it's a very early stages, and we don't really know. You know, try to separate, you know, rumor from confirmed reports. Uh, but Alice, this is ju- just as students have had the opportunity to go back to social and young people go back to socialising. This is something else for them to, to really worry about. Yeah, I'm actually writing a piece for the Times tomorrow on it because it does seem to be so prevalent. And as you say, we don't know how 
far it goes. But it's the fact that students now are frightened of going to nightclubs, which is extraordinary, just as they're supposed to be going back to university and having a good time. And my daughter's at university and she's nervous about it now. She's not wearing denim and leather as, as some of them are to try and protect themselves because they are worried about being knocked. But she knows quite a few people who've had their drink spiked. And they now get given these things called scrunchies that you put over your drink when you're not drinking, which just mm. seems completely the wrong way around. We shouldn't be saying to women, don't drink too much, cover your drinks, you know, wear thick clothing. We should be saying, right, we're going to stop this. And it's men who shouldn't be doing this. And actually, it is assault if you're doing that, particularly if it's a needle. I mean, you're, you're basically, you are assaulting another person. And it should be taken unbelievably seriously. I just I feel really deeply sorry for them all because they've had a difficult two, three years anyway. This is a new issue that they're having to confront. It's particularly prevalent for women, though there are some boys who've had their drinks spiked. I just think it is dreadful. I think we do have to do something about it. And, and uh, Robert, it struck me that, and I, I must admit, I'm not an expert in uh, spiking of drinks, but I'd assume it's, I mean, to be going out for the night with, what, a packet of needles, that's oh, yeah. presumably easier to spot or pick up on uh, before people even enter a nightclub. You would think so, wouldn't you? Uh, although there is a, uh, a bouncer shortage, which... Uh, uh, oh, which you wrote about which yesterday. Which I wrote about yesterday. Uh which may, I mean, that may be connected. I don't know. I don't know whether they, whether uh, more security would uh, solve the problem. Uh, the needle. I mean, the actual. I, I hadn't realised how prevalent the spiking the drinks was until, I mean, until my daughter mentioned. My daughter's twenty two, and she mentioned it quite casually, uh, not too long ago, saying that somebody had offered her a drink, and you know, obviously, I wouldn't accept that because I hadn't seen it being poured. And then I was just talking to some of the younger, uh, my younger colleagues downstairs. Uh, and they all routinely uh, guarded against being having the drink spiked, and all they all knew people who'd, who uh, that had happened to. I didn't realise it was such a big thing. Uh, and yes, if somebody's going out with a, armed with a with a packet of needles, I mean that's a, I don't know what is it, assault with a deadly weapon or something? I don't know. I mean that's really uh, I don't know how widespread that is. I'm not sure what somebody would be hoping to gain by that, uh, even in, in their own kind of twisted value system do you see what i mean yeah yeah, uh, yeah so yeah uh i wonder whether you sort of talk about the, um whether this is a sort of broader indication of how maybe through social media in particular and you know not everyone sitting down and watching the 10 o'clock news every night yeah um the we are living in these silos that you've got um uh it, you know, it's been reported by the tab, which is a sort of big student uh, website, where mm. there's loads of Instagram groups and uh, pages and so on. All this stuff is being shared. You know, on the one hand, you've got boycotts of nightclubs taking place in Leeds, Swansea, Edinburgh, Stirling, Aberdeen, Newcastle, Bristol, Brighton, Nottingham, Bournemouth, Belfast, Southampton, Durham, etc. All yeah. this is going on. And it's already reached a point where... You know, collectively, our children are saying, oh, yeah, no, I've known about this. Oh, yeah. SBS, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And yet this has clearly been going on for ages. It doesn't bubble up because it's just happening, unfortunately. They're discussing it in on Instagram, well away from, you know, news organisations uh, as such. Um, I think what's you know, really the, difficult is that they, they, they think it's so normal now. Yeah, so I quite. thought it was yeah. extraordinary that all of us have obviously now had in the last few days conversations with our children who've had, instead of going, oh, I'll look into that, have gone, yeah, of course. It's yeah. not like they're saying, oh, God, that sounds awful, or oh, I'll take, you know, I'll worry about it. What I find difficult is you instinctively say to your children, particularly your daughters, don't drink, only go out in groups, be careful, you know, dress up, 
don't be provocative. And that is exactly the wrong message. It's mm. basically saying to them, we are going to curb all your freedoms because there's somebody yeah. out there who may want to destroy you. That's, you know, it is, I may destroy you. It is a terrible, terrible indictment I think there is a, of our the, society if yeah. we do that. I think there is a pernicious strain of misogyny around at the moment. Uh, and I think there's always been around, but it's exacerbated by social media. And there is a, it's become acceptable in a way that it never, it hasn't been for a couple of generations for young men to be uh, fairly brutally sexist about young women, and the and the extremist uh, tip of that is this kind of behaviour. Uh, I do think there, I do think there is a wider problem. Yeah, and well, much it's like uh, something which I thought had yeah. actually been getting better for a, a couple of generations is now it turns out isn't. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose it's one of those things where when you, you think that progress has been made on lots of fronts yeah. and then everyone get, relaxes a bit and then along comes, you know, essentially social media and it's normalising a load of, whether that's misogynistic, racist, sexist, yeah. homophobic stuff. Become yeah. anti-Semitic. Anti-Semitic, yeah. And, then it becomes, and they then think they can say it on act upon it. I mean, that's the problem, isn't it? I think that, with the, you know, when I look at my daughter and then I look at my experience at university and I definitely didn't go to a nightclub fearing that my drink was going to be spiked. Or even though you knew occasional stories, you knew it wasn't prevalent. And I definitely didn't worry about getting home. I mean, she has constantly got her friends tracking her, which is mm. extraordinary that they, you know, you think you'd be safer because you have a phone, but actually they feel less safe and then they're using their phones really as devices to make sure that they're, if someone takes them, that they, you know, there may be someone who can help out, but it probably is too late. I mean, they don't even trust the police, I don't think. Well, no, well, yeah, and for some reason. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, but, but, uh, entirely understandably, I suppose. And I yet, suppose the other, thing, the other thing about the internet is it actually get, getting hold of... Uh, of uh, you know date rape hypnol or whatever becomes a lot easier doesn't it you can just because you can just order it up so it's, yes. not, it's not just uh, being able to terrorize people uh, through through tweets and uh, and trolling it's actually getting hold of what you need to do that yeah, and I suppose, but I suppose that 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 normalisation of uh, attitudes towards women, um, you know, start maybe starts off online, but then becomes you know your attitude and life and your attitude. Um, I think it when can, you're out in nightclubs, it can do in extreme in, in extreme yeah versions. in extreme cases. So, yeah, Robert Crampton and Alice Thompson. There, of course, you can read them in the Times every week. Just get yourself a digital subscription. Go to thetimes.co.uk forward slash Times Red Box. Up next, it's PMQs unpacked. 're listening to the red box podcast now it's time for this PMQs unpacked on Times radio unpacking the politics and cutting through the crossfire order order I call Matt Chorley and Patrick Maguire <laughs> yes here we are again then it's midday on a Wednesday we await uh, Prime Minister's questions joined by Patrick Maguire red box editor hi Patrick Good afternoon, Matt. That God, that uh, Lindsay Hoyle sting sounds better every time I hear it. 
<laughs> yeah, regular listeners will note we finally got Lindsay Hoyle to, to, to say your name out loud. Um, so we, we look ahead to, to PM because the first one for, what, about a, a month, Patrick, what with uh, um, the conference recess and then Boris Johnson on holiday last week. What would you, if you were advising, if Keir Starmer picked up the phone to you in the last hour and said, what shall I ask about then? Uh, Patrick, um, what, 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 do you, what do you think Keir Starmer should be going on? Well, if only you did, our, our copy about Labour might not be so <laughs> relentlessly negative. Um, I think that Keir Starmer, there's a, there's a very obvious subject to go on, and that is um, the the plan B, uh, not the defamation of Strickland Banks, great album though that is, but the <laughs> stuff Matthew you heard Matthew Taylor talking about from the NHS Confederation this morning, um, quasi quartang sort of very airily dismissed it on the morning round, but that question of cases are going up, um, hospitalizations and deaths um while they're you know hospitalizations are quite high deaths are still you know lower than they were last week but still there is a sense um of rising alarm within government will Keir Starmer um you know plow that for her today I suspect he might it was interesting though because when uh there was I think we were talking about this on on Times of Breakfast this morning with um uh, I can't remember who the, who the Labour front bencher was now. Uh, Bridget um, Phillipson. Bridget Phillipson. Yeah. Th- there's no alternative plan. Labour isn't at, well, maybe this won't change. Maybe Kirsten, oh, I mean, we'll actually do this. But Labour so far has always been reluctant to say uh, people should, masks should be compulsory again. Let's have work from home. Let's have rule of six again. I mean, it, it's notable that actually in the last year, the one, only one that really sticks in my mind is that Keir Starmer called for a, uh, a, a, a fire break. Lockdown. Circuit breaker. That's Circuit a, breaker. That's a phrase we don't hear so much anymore. Yeah, God, those heady days. It looked like a very decisive intervention at the time, although um, in hindsight, to use Boris Johnson's favourite word in connection with Keir Starmer, um, you know, less clear now. Yeah, well, we ended up having one when it was a bit late and then we had to have another one anyway. Uh, and, and Wales had one. It didn't make a huge difference. And, and Yes, exactly. And, and, and this will be um, the key theme, Labour. You know, I, I was speaking to, um, you know, a senior Labour person yesterday and they were talking about how they the, to, to sort of hammer home the point Keir Starmer made in his conference speech, i.e. that Boris Johnson is not a bad man, he's a trivial man who um, dithers, vacillates. Um, you know, they say it's a shame... Dominic Cummings is such an unreliable and toxic messenger because the trolley metaphor is the perfect one. What Labour wants to emphasise is that Keir Starmer is a serious man for serious times and that there are lots of decisions that he would take differently or would have taken differently so that we're not, we, we wouldn't be in whatever mess uh, we happen to be in at any given moment. And I imagine Keir Starmer will ask very pointedly, um, you know, when... When might we see increasing mitigations? And perhaps he'll ask the question Danny Finkelstein poses in his very good column this morning about, um, you know, what is the unacceptable rate of cases, hospitalisation, deaths before the government considers uh, new restrictions? And another interesting question, just uh, briefly, is how the tone of this these exchanges, given the emphasis on civility, um, we've heard from politicians in the aftermath of, um, you know, the tragic news on, on Friday of David Amos's killing. So lots to consider. Uh, well, there we are. Thank you very much for that, that, that perfect primer, Patrick McGuire, uh, Times Redbox editor. Well, we can now go live to the House of Commons with question number one. It's Keir Starmer. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Can I pay tribute to Ernie Ross, a formidable campaigner who served this place and his constituents with great distinction for three decades? Uh, Mr Speaker, I will pay my 
respects and tribute to James Brokenshire immediately after this Prime Minister's questions. Can I thank the whole House for the way the tributes to Sir David were handled on Monday? We saw the best of this House, and I want to see if we can use that collaborative spirit to make progress on one of the issues that was raised on Monday, tackling violent extremism. It's three years since the Government promised an online safety bill, but it's not yet before the House. Meanwhile, the damage caused by harmful content online is worse than ever. Dangerous algorithms on Facebook and Instagram and hope not hate have shown me an example of violent Islamism and far-right propaganda on TikTok. What I was shown has been reported to the moderators, but it stayed online because apparently it didn't contravene the guidelines. I have to say I find that hard to believe. So will the Prime Minister build on the desire shown by this House on Monday to get things done and commit to bring forward the second reading of the online safety bill by the end of this calendar year? If he does, we'll support it. Prime Minister. Uh, Mr Speaker, I thank the Right Honourable Gentleman for the spirit in which he has approached this issue, and I echo what he says about the need for cooperation across the House, because the safety of of MPs, indeed of all uh, public servants, everybody who engages uh, with the public is of vital importance, and uh, the online safety bill is of of huge importance to, uh, is one of the most important tools in our armoury. And what we're doing is ensuring that we crack down on uh, companies that promote illegal and uh, and dangerous content, and we'll be uh, toughening up uh, those provisions. But, Mr Speaker, what we are also going to do is ensure that uh, the online safety bill does complete uh, its, uh, its stages uh, before this House, uh, before, uh, before Christmas. And I'm delighted, uh, or rather, that we do bring, forward, uh, the, uh, bring it forward before Christmas in the way, that he, uh, the way that he suggests. And I'm delighted, Mr Speaker, that he is uh, offering his support. And, uh, and we, we look forward to that. Okay, let's just pause uh, that uh, there. Um, this is what we do on time. So I did. We pause the action trying to un- unpick what is going on. Um, we should point out Keir Starmer there paying tribute to uh, Ernie Ross, who was the Labour MP for Dundee West from 1979 until 2005. He died on Sunday. So that's who he's paying tribute to. Um, although there were tributes on Monday to Sir David Amos after PMQs today, there were, there were going to be a, a separate tribute session uh, for James Brokenshire, who died of cancer during the uh, recess um, and uh, obviously served as a, a cabinet minister for uh, uh, some time. So that, that's, that's what uh, Keir Starmer was referring to there. Uh, Patrick McGuire, on the uh, substance of what Keir Starmer's um, uh, getting at, it, it's sort of interesting how, as far as we are aware... Uh, social media played no part in the uh, um, killing of uh, Sir David Amos, and yet this has become the sort of the, the big political talking point um, of the, uh, the sort of the, the the repercussions of the killing of Sir David Amos. Uh, yes, but the, the way Keir Starmer has, you're, you're completely right to say, um, for instance, Marc Francois, a close friend and former election agent of uh, David Amos, fellow Essex MP, was as many MPs have as Priti Patel, the Home Secretary, has, um, on Monday was talking about the idea of a, a David's Law guaranteeing anonymity, uh, banning, rather, anonymity on social media, talking about dragging Mark Zuckerberg and Jack Dorsey of Twitter and uh, Facebook and Twitter, respectively, to the bar of the house, kicking and screaming. But, as you say, 
that 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 sort of emphasis was on the abuse of MPs, the broader question of civility and the coarsening of the discourse. What Labour are talking about, and and there was a hint, a very subtle uh, hint for obvious reasons in Keir Starmer's speech in the David Amos debate on Monday. Um, and this is a, this is a big theme the Labour Shadow Home uh, Office team have been plugging away at for a while. Is you know, he's not talking about social media anonymity because people are trolling. Uh, public officials and public figures, right? He's talking about the very specific issue, and you've heard this from security experts in the in the wake of the killing about online radicalization and the lack of a robust enough regulatory regime to force um, to force publishers, sorry, tweet Twitter, Facebook, other social media platforms as publishers, and force them to take that stuff down. Now. You know, that is a separate issue from the the broader questions about online abuse we've been hearing. But interestingly, and, and you know, Keir Starmer won't push too hard at this because he doesn't want to look like an opportunist. You know, he's, he's literally wearing a black tie. So there's a limit to how aggressive he can be in, uh, in pinning this on the government. But interestingly, I remember last summer, um, you know, far be it from me to... to invite readers inside the sausage factory that is the Times leader page, but writing a, a Times leader about, um, about you know, the online harms bill. And at that point, you know, it had been a year. You know, we were still waiting for meat on the, meat on the bones. We're still waiting for the online harms bill um, to, to be brought forward, to be, to be published in full. So Labour can mount an argument saying, look, people have been radicalised online during lockdown. You know, they're manifold. Fa- We're all agreed on the failures of social media companies to um, act with due responsibility in regard to hateful or uh, illegal content. Why isn't the government doing something about it? Well, let's go back and see if, uh, if Keir Starmer sticks to this topic for all six questions. We'll go back to the House of Commons now for question two. Thank you, Mr Speaker, and I thank the Prime Minister. I think from that, um, and this isn't a challenge, it's to clarify that the pre-legislative scrutiny will be finished um, before in early December, uh, and the, the second reading could, uh, I think, be before uh, the end of this calendar year. Um, but we do need to get on with this. Telegram has been described as the app of choice for extremists. Uh, and, Mr Speaker, if you can believe it, if the House can believe it, as we were paying tribute to Sir David on Monday, Telegram users could access videos of murders and violent threats against politicians, the LGBT community, women and Jews, as we were paying our respects. Some of these posts are illegal. All of them are harmful. And hope not hate and the Board of Deputies have said that Telegram has, in their words, facilitated and nurtured a subculture that cheerleads for terrorists. Tough sanctions are clearly needed. Yet, under the government's current proposals, directors of platforms failing to crack down on extremism would still not face criminal sanctions. Why is that? Prime Minister. Mr Speaker, the, this, this, it is this government that brought forward an online uh, harms bill. Mr Speaker, and he's, heard, uh, it's, he's heard what I've said, he's heard what I've said about, uh, about the second reading before Christmas. And, uh, you know, in the, in the collegiate spirit in which uh, he, he, he announced his... Uh, he began his questioning. I can tell him that we will uh, continue to uh, look at ways in which we can toughen up those provisions and to come down hard on those who irresponsibly allow uh, dangerous and extremist content uh, to permeate the internet. But, Mr Speaker, uh, I, I'm, I'm, and I'm delighted that uh, he's taking this, this new uh, tough line, and I very much hope 
uh, that, he can, that he will get uh, the rest of his party in the lobbies with us to join him. All right, let's just pause it there, uh, Patrick McGuire. First of all, um, explain for listeners who aren't aware what Telegram is. Telegram is, um, it's a very good question. It's like, um, you know, uh, WhatsApp for, um, WhatsApp for, you know, super nerds, uh, organised criminals and jihadis and investigative journalists, right? It's sort of um, a very heavily encrypted messaging platform where you can sort of subscribe to channels, for instance. So if, if sort of there is a nefarious um, plot going on, for instance, when um, the, the one that springs to mind actually is when um, people were organising how to break into Wembley for the Euro 2020 final in June, um, there was a group called the Wembley Jib that people could join, for instance, and it's all heavily encrypted, crucially um, also anonymous. Um, and so that's the sort of, you know, that's the sort of platform where regulation has not only feared to tread, but hasn't really, hasn't really touched. And it's, you know, it's a, it's a tricky, it's a, this is tricky terrain for Boris Johnson, not just because of the political considerations I mentioned in my last question, i.e., you know, we've been waiting a long time for meat on the bones and action on this legislation. But, you know, um, Boris Johnson is many things. Um, but I think his, his you know, close knowledge of popular culture and technology probably stops around the Sinclair C5. Um, <laughs> so it's not, it's not natural terrain. And it's interesting the sting in the tail of Boris Johnson's answer, despite, you know, despite this being a broadly consensual PMQ's in tone thus far, was it's the classic question to Keir Starmer, which is, OK, you've got lots of criticisms about the speed with which we're bringing forward this legislation and the small print, but do you support us on the principle? So it'll be very interesting to hear what Keir Starmer says in response to that. OK, let's go back then. This is question number three from Keir Starmer. Keir Starmer. Mr Speaker, I did start in a collegiate spirit, and I'll continue in a collegiate spirit because I listened hard to what was being said on the opposite benches on Monday about the concerns about this issue. Um, uh, and we do need uh, to recognise the measures in the bill, but we do need tough and effective sanctions, and that means criminal sanctions. And that does matter, Mr Speaker. It, it, it is frankly beyond belief that, as the Mirror reported yesterday, 40 hours of hateful content from Anjum Chowdhury could be easily accessed online. The Prime Minister and the Government could stop this by making it clear that directors of companies are criminally liable for failing to tackle this type of material on their sites. We don't need to delay, so in the collaborative spirit we saw in this House on Monday, will the Prime Minister commit to taking this away, looking at it again and working with all of us to strengthen his proposed legislation? I've already said that we're willing to uh, look at anything to strengthen the legislation. I've said that we're willing to uh, bring it forward, uh, and we will bring it forward to second reading before Christmas. And yes, of course, Mr Speaker, uh, we will have criminal sanctions uh, with tough sentences uh, for those who are responsible for allowing this foul content to, to permeate the internet, uh, Mr Speaker. Uh, but what we hope for also is that no matter how tough the proposals we produce, that the, honor, that the opposition uh, will support it. So there we are. So he seems to be zeroing in, Patrick, on this idea of, of directors of tech firms being criminally responsible for what lands. And now, it sounds like that makes sense. If you've got a platform, what you should be responsible for what people put on it. You know, newspapers are uh, responsible for what people um, write in their columns. Um, uh, you know, maybe the same should be true of Facebook. 
But that's an enormous uh, shift, isn't it, in legislation and approach. And, and actually, it probably would fundamentally change the way we currently use technology. Yes, exactly. And this is at the very heart of this debate, right? Are these are these platforms, mere platforms, as um, their executives, as Nick Clegg would probably give us a very uh, impassioned and... Uh, you know, convincing or not answer on that, or are they publishers and should they be treated as publishers? Um, there isn't there is an understandable reluctance on the part of government to go the whole hog, not least because it's you know it's very difficult. This is an entirely new um, landscape. But I thought I was very interested to hear Boris Johnson there, you know, set himself a deadline before before Christmas um, to bring this legislation forward, um, knowing you know this government's approach to timekeeping, rod for his own back, I think. Yeah, I think you could well be right, because these things do have a habit of uh, of slipping. Let's see um, where Keir Starmer takes this next. This is question number four. Starmer. Uh, Mr Speaker, we're making progress. We've got the second reading committed to before Christmas. That is a good thing. And I think the Prime Minister is now committed to criminal sanctions. At the moment, they're a fallback position um, at the discretion of the Minister. Um, they should be, in my view, on the face of the bill as the automatic default for the failure to act. Now, if we're making progress on that, then we're beginning to address some of the issues that were uh, identified across the House on Monday. Can I turn to the um, report, the Commission for Countering Extremism, which was set up in the wake of the horrific Manchester bombings? Eight months ago, that Commission made recommendations to plug gaps in existing legislation and strategy, gaps that extremists have been able to exploit and are continuing to exploit. Yet Sir Mark Rowley, formerly head of our counter-terrorism policing, who led on those recommendations, said just this week, I've had no feedback from the Home Office on their plans in relation to our report on the absence of a coherent legal framework to tackle hateful extremism. Given the seriousness of the matter and the clear need for action, why has the Government not responded to this important work and will the Prime Minister now commit to act swiftly on the Commission's recommendations? Prime Minister. Uh, Mr Speaker, the Government, and my right honourable friend, the Home Secretary, works with all parties to tackle violent extremism, and the UK has one of the strongest uh, counter-terrorism and counter-extremism uh, systems in the world, as a consequence of which we have foiled 31 terrorist plots since 2017. And I pay tribute to the work of, of Sir Mark Rowley, with whom I worked extremely closely while I was in London, and, uh, and all those who are involved in foiling those terrorist plots. And I can uh, tell you, Mr Speaker, that they will receive the complete support of this House and, uh, and, and, and of this, uh, this Government, uh, nor will we allow them to be released, or those who are convicted, to be released early from prison, Mr Speaker, because that was one of the most important things this Government passed and which that party opposed. Uh, I should point out, um, uh, Priti Patel is sitting on the government front bench, sort of chuntering along. You could hear her slightly in, in, in the background there. doesn't look very happy, I think, at the, the challenge to the uh, Home Office's uh, record on this matter. Uh, you're listening to Actually on Times Radio, bringing you PMQ's Unpacked. Uh, here with you on Times Radio in association with uh, Strive UK from Mastercard. You can find out more about that at mastercard.co.uk forward slash strive. Patrick Maguire, um, uh, the, this criticism uh, and, you know, highlighting what Keir Starmer is doing is he's sort of mounting a case by actually drawing in allies, if you like, whether it's hope, not hate before. Now, Sir Mark Riley, former the head of uh, formerly the, uh, the head of Britain's anti-terrorism policing, now uh, he's conducted this review for the Commission for Counter-Extremism. 
Do you think, is this a bandwidth problem that the Home Office haven't tackled it? Is it, I mean, you know, when we've, we're still coming through the pandemic, you know, a lot of focus on uh, immigration, visas, um, and, uh, you know, migrants crossing the channel and so on. Uh, why is it, do you think, that the government has, has allowed itself to get into a position where, where it does seem to have let this one sort of slip onto the back burner a bit? I think, I think you know, that word bandwidth is a good one. Right, that, that, you know, we've had, we've had a, a hell of a lot of domestic legislation that has been deferred, put on ice for the reasons you talk about. Um, the Home Office, even after the reorganisation in the late noughties, which saw the Ministry of Justice spun off, still has a huge, unwieldy range of domestic responsibilities. Right, so that's not that. I don't think is is necessarily surprising as much as it is now. Um, is now coming back to bite the government. And and, and just briefly, the, the point you make about the coalition of voices Keir Starmer is assembling there um, goes to show Labour's keenness to cast themselves as, you know, in that sort of very Blairite, tough-on-crime and the causes of crime sense, right? You know, hope not hate to the Metropolitan Police, not groups that often have much common cause or, you know, nice things that, you know, hope not hate, um, it's fair to say, would not have many nice things to say about the Metropolitan Police some of the time. But, you know, it's Keir Starmer, the, you know, the, 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 the candidate of security in the sort of conventional um, sense of the word, but also, you know, he's tough on the, the prejudice and the causes of the, you know, domestic, uh, yeah, domestic yeah, yeah. security issue. OK, let's go back to the House of Commons. Keir Starmer again. Keir Starmer... Really? After the week we've just had, I, 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 re I really don't want to descend to that kind of knockabout. Mr Speaker, either we, take the, either we take this seriously, and I'm taking my lead from those on the opposite benches on Monday and what they were saying about the need to tackle this, either we take it seriously and go forward together, or we do a disservice to those that we pay tributes to. There are clearly, there are clearly problems with the government's counter-extremism strategy. Internet users are increasingly likely to come across extremist content online. The government's own independent reviewer has said that there is no evidence that the government's key de-radicalisation programme is effective. That's the government's independent reviewer saying that. And we've seen a spate of lone attack killings with the perpetrator invariably radicalised online. We all want to stop this across this House, but at the moment things are getting worse, not better. So what urgent plans does the Prime Minister have to fix these glaring problems? Prime Minister. Well, well Mr Speaker, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all in favour of uh, collegiate and cooperative uh, approach, and, 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 and then, uh, in, in which case, I think it would be a fine thing if the uh, opposition would withdraw their opposition to uh, our measures to stop the early release of, of serious extremist and violent offenders. That's all, that's all I'm trying to say. In a, in a, in a, in a collegiate approach, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure that that is what the people of this country uh, would wish to see. Uh, but we will continue to do everything that we can uh, to strengthen our counter-terrorism oper operation and to support all those uh, who are involved in keeping us safe. And uh, obviously it is too early to draw any particular conclusions from the appalling killing of our, of our colleague, uh, but we will draw all relevant conclusions from that investigation. 
It's interesting, Keir Start. I mean, I suppose as an observer of politics, I wouldn't say that the, the, the way to, to properly pay tribute to Sir David Amos um, is to do politics properly. And if politicians have disagreements, they should be able to to have those. Uh, Patrick McGuire, I've, I've just uh, briefly, I'm not sure we're, we're getting terribly far on this. No, we're not. And I, I, you know, in that sort of, as Boris Johnson would say, minestrone of uh, themes raised by both leaders, I think, as you say, the most significant thing was Keir Starmer's response to Boris Johnson, more in sorrow than in anger, um, trying to cast Boris Johnson, who frequently makes this argument about Keir Starmer as, uh, you know, a partisan point scorer in in this of all weeks. Um, And it goes to show, much like security is that theme Labour are trying to draw out, um, there's the other thing, you know, serious versus trivial. As uh, yeah. senior Labour source said to me yesterday, Keir is a serious man for serious times. So that's the point he's trying to make there. No, so let's see how it all winds up. This is question six. Keir Starmer. Starmer. Yeah, thank you, Mr Speaker. The inescapable desire of this House on Monday to finally clamp down on the extremism, the hate and the abuse that festers online is incredibly welcome. Yeah. But closing down anonymous accounts would not have prevented the murder of Joe Cox, nor of PC Keith Palmer. And although we don't know the full circumstances surrounding his death, nor would it have saved Sir David. If we're to get serious about stopping violent attacks, we need to stop online spaces being safe spaces for terrorists. We need to ensure that unaccountable, arrogant social media companies take responsibility for their platforms. We need to end the delays, get on with the legislation and clean out the cesspit once and for all. Mr Speaker, I've prosecuted terrorists and I've prosecuted extremists. I've worked with Sir Mark and others. Dozens of Labour MPs have worked hard on tackling social media companies on these issues. I started collegiately and I'll continue collegiately. We know what it takes. We can help. So will the Prime Minister now capture the spirit that we've seen this week and agree to work with us on a cross-party basis so that we can tackle violent extremism and its enablers together. Mr Speaker, I'm, I'm, I'm delighted to, uh, to join the uh, right honourable gentleman in uh, committing to tackle, tackling online harms uh, together, to tackling violent extremism together, and that, that is what uh, the government I- is doing. And that's why we brought forward the online harms bill. Uh, that's why we're investing uh, record sums in tackling counter-terrorism. Uh, but, Mr Speaker, I-, I must say that what I think the whole country and the whole House would certainly want to see, in addition, in addition if I can say this to the, to the right honourable gentleman in a, in, a, in a collegiate spirit, in addition is a commitment uh, by the Labour Party in future to support measures and not to allow the early release of those terrorists and those who are convicted of those offences from prison. And if you hear that from the Labour Party, I think it would be a fine thing. Crispin Blood. Uh, and that so uh, brings us to the end of the uh, front bench exchange. That's Boris Johnson, of course, referring to some uh, separate legislation which the uh, Labour Party has opposed. There's an interesting um, thing going on here, isn't there, uh, Patrick? Because Keir Starmer is playing quite a clever game, it has to be said. Yeah. Saying he's rising above politics and uh, reflecting on the cross-party uh, sadness over Sir David Amos, while also brandishing his own tough-on-terrorism. I've, I've, I've prosecuted terrorists, I've prosecuted extremists. Uh, going after unaccountable, arrogant social media companies. The cesspit must be cleared out and all that. He's doing pretty hard, actually, probably quite effective politics in all this. Yeah, I have to say, um, 
I agree. It was very deftly and tastefully done, considering the constraints uh, of taste. Um, you know, g- g- given the events of this week and um, the expectations, um, you know, that he himself reinforced when he when he called out Boris Johnson for um, you know knockabout stuff. Um, and I think you know it's a reminder that um, one of Keir Starmer's strengths is uh, you know that sort of loyally ability to weave um, quite a compelling case. And you saw over the course of that those six questions, Labour sketch out a coherent argument on where the government had gone wrong, you know, it had been slow, it had been unwilling to take on vested interests um, and, you know, institutions, the public trust were all on Labour's side. And by the way, um, Labour, unlike uh, unlike what Boris Johnson may say about terrorists, is, is, is the party that is tough on crime and its causes, yeah, yeah. Just, as, just as it was under Tony Blair. So um, quite impressive from Keir Starmer, I think we, we agree on that. I'm going to make a small prediction, though, that when the legislation comes forward, the online hate bill, uh, Labour won't think it goes far enough and Boris Johnson will end up quoting back what came up at PMQs today. Yes. That's my, uh, that's my prediction. He'll say, you said you were going to support it, and Keir Starmer will say, well, we didn't know the details then, and that'll be an argument in time for Christmas. That's all we've got time for on this episode of the Red Box Podcast. Don't forget you can listen to me live Monday to Friday, 10 till 1 on Times Radio. We bring you the best bits here on the podcast. And if you're feeling particularly nice, why not wait and review us wherever you get your podcasts from? <laughs>